I see levels. I see France. I see TJ's underpants. Oh, God, do you? I swear they came in that color. No, but I do see a can of uh, some kind of a spray. You have a spray can over there. What's it's going on? It's called whoop ass, guy. And I'm going <laughs> to open it up when you need an addressing to. Poor grammar intended. S I C. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy this- New Year. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we love the Beatles. Uh, instead of a clap, TJ, for the New Year, why don't you use a spray? How about sure. a Sure. Why don't you whip my ass with that spray? Three, two, one. Oh! Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> That's really good for the microphone. It's good Blowing mic. cold pressurized air in this used church mic. <laughs> Not church mice. Like the Christmas special, Twas the Night Before Christmas, where the mice mm. ruin Christmas because the little kid climbs up to the clock, stops the clock tower. <laughs> And then uh, they have to write Santa a letter, and it's a whole Michigas. It's a whole big deal. <laughs> yes, it's a I great remember. Show. I remember pulling that drop up last Christmas. <laughs> Mr. Trundle's clock in the village hall. I I wanted to see how it worked, so I climbed up into it and kerplunk, kerplooey. You broke the clock. I didn't mean it, Father. I'm sorry. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast 2024. All Beatles all the time and constant references to different strokes and other sitcoms you probably don't remember. Are you a fan of Jimmy Nickel? What about Thelma Pickles? Do you know that they rhyme? Well, then you found your podcast. And in honor of the new year, time to whip out your three, four, ding dong, ding dong. to the B, which is really neat. Yeah. That's such a George move. <laughs> yeah, George with his kooky chord changes. Yeah, at George's kooky chord changes, we got all your favorite <laughs> chord changes. We go from E flat diminished seven to a G minor third. <laughs> Every chord must go. <laughs> Thank you, TJ. Welcome. Happy New Year to you, TJ. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, it's rare that an episode comes out one we can play ding dong, ding dong and mean it. <laughs> so to speak we can mean it yeah ring out the old ring in the new and we encourage you to stop listening to this podcast ring us out and find new beatles podcasts <laughs> we don't yeah. do this for the listeners quote unquote friends it's true yeah and you might just get your wish tj if we keep going on like this <laughs> <laughs> now we do need to uh i don't know if casey alerted you producer casey we uh we have to get our fcc licenses renewed to keep this going and also uh i don't know did you get the memo casey sent this memo out we're gonna start selling health supplements so uh look forward to that here on uh, untitled beatles podcast 2024 in little pills that are replicas of what the Beatles had in their pockets in Hamburg. Yes. <laughs> Preludin. Preludin. Yeah. Get the get your untitled Beatles podcast diet pills. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start hawking those soon. As soon as we get all the paperwork done. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to that. 
Yeah, Tony, it's going to be a great year. It's last year there was so much Beetle product. This year there's somehow going to be more, I'm sure. But are you happy that it's a new year? I feel like 23 was time to say he gone. He gone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm getting less angry about uh, forced holiday cheer. And when it goes into the new year, it's just kind of to me, it's just kind of like another day. I'm not like, oh, it's you know, there's a line crossed. Really, it's just it's the same sun that comes up and it's the same moon that goes down, etc. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Hearing you talk about a, this being another day just makes me think you're so pusillanimous. <laughs> you're so pusillanimous, so oh yeah. Nature's calling animals I love, I love every time you say another day, my instincts go to the Ruddles version, not the Paul McCartney solo right. song. <laughs> That's very curious. That's very curious, man. Yeah, well, we got a lot of stuff to look forward to. 60th anniversary this year of a lot of stuff. Yes. Ed Sullivan, the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. That's coming up next month. We still need to get to with the Beatles, the 60th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're probably going to start going through some UK albums. Uh, And we got three to go with, uh, with the Beatles, Hard Day's Night and Beatles for Sale, all having 60th anniversaries. We've got our seventh Beatle bracket. And TJ, this year, it is going to be all musicians. Very excited about that. Yeah, no no Thelma Pickles in this one. Sorry, no. Dick Biondi. Oh, I think, did he pass yeah. last year? I think he did, yeah. Oh, he gone. God bless him. Yeah. He gone. Yeah, hi, Dick. He's listening. They're all listening, if you believe in it. You can believe whatever you want to believe. Like George saying, if you believe. <laughs> Great riff for that. What else we got? Maybe some Beatlesque bangers. I was listening to some bangers this morning, TJ, and it made me want to start doing another one of those episodes. Yeah, I've heard more and more songs that like I know already that make me go, that song's a Beatlesque banger. So I've been keeping note of a lot of these too. Right on. Let's do some of that. And of course, our listeners always submit their own as well. Uh, yeah, man. Like and subscribe. Thank you to all the kind reviews that have been coming in. We do appreciate those. If you got the moment, feel free. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just feel free to be nice and write something kind if you like us. Oh, hey. A quick interjection on the topic of nice reviews. Hello. It's producer Casey. I don't know if any of you are Beatle Fan Magazine subscribers, but if you are, you might have seen in your December issue a fancy full-page ad for the Untitled Beatles podcast. Thank you to our Patreon supporters who helped make that possible. And in typical Untitled Beatles fashion, we maybe printed a collection of some of our worst reviews, most of which you've probably heard us read on past shows. And since it's the new year, I wanted to change course for a quick second and share a couple of the very kind reviews that have come in over the course of the holiday season. Shawkey89 reviewed us on Apple Podcasts, headline, I would listen any time at all. Zing! This has become my favorite podcast over the last several months. Tony, TJ, producer Casey, and their fact-checking robot P3Z Nuts. Combined fun banter, pop culture references, Chicago history, comedy, and of course, the Beatles in entertaining one-hour episodes. Thank you, Shaki. Uh, another one came from Tim Opet Brook in the Netherlands via Facebook. 
I just wanted to thank you for the fantastic podcast you create. Every year as a Beatle hardcore fan, I look for information about the Christmas flexi discs. And that's how I came across your show. The pop culture references, your humor and knowledge are truly fantastic. Thank you for making the world a little more beautiful. Man, Tim, that is genuinely moving. Thank you so much for that thoughtful note. And one last review that came from our latest addition to our Patreon Star Club, Russell B. on Facebook says, I was five years old when Beatles 6 came out and would hear it playing from my 10-year-old sister's room, and my sentimental attachment to it contributes to my continued loyalty to the capital versions. Love your show. I should add, TJ will like this, as a five-year-old, I called it Beatles VI as well. Thank you so much, Russell, and thanks to everybody who listens and supports the show. These reviews are really the most important factor in other folks finding us and helping us grow the show. Every single review makes a difference. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, that's enough. Let's get back to the show. Thanks a lot. What else? We got our uh, merch. You can get all that stuff. UntitledBeatlesPodcast.com. Join our Patreon. And then you can, yeah. In fact, TJ, we are going to be soliciting some of our uh, Patreon folks' opinions on why they love the Beatles today in our episode title, Why We Love the Beatles. I love them. I don't care what anybody thinks. I love the Beatles for them, and I'll always love them. Even when I'm a 105-year-old grandmother, I love them. And Paul McCartney, if you are listening, Adrian from Brooklyn loves you with all her heart. I love you, Paul, and please come to the window so I can just see you. I saw you smoking before, and I kissed the limousine you looked at him. But I love you, and I want you, Paul. Please look at And Ringo, you can look at it too, because I like you. Let me tell you something. Noted sketch and improv director and guru, Napier would give you a note for naming the title of the episode. You don't play Take That Back and say, folks, now we're going to improvise for you and it's called Take That Back. You just go into it, my man. And that's some short form for you and everybody else. Take my workshop. Okay, there you go. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're also going to be doing short form improv <laughs> workshops. <laughs> you imagine? Only virtual. I don't like people yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Tony, I mean, while we don't have anything booked yet, but it's looking very likely we'll be back at Beetlefest. We've not been invited, but there's no reason we can't go back and have Casey join us this year because he was unable to last year. And hopefully we can say hi to a lot of our friends again and, and meet new fans of the show and bother roughly a third of the people who meet us. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try and make it a half this year. We're going to bother you with our Beavis and Butthead goofery <laughs> as we walk around. Uh, yeah, man, that would be in Chicago. Uh, you're talking about the Fest for Beatles fans. Yes. In uh, August, most likely in Chicago. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I would love to make the one in New York in March. Uh, no, February. It's February, right? Yeah, February. It's at the new TWA Hotel. The hotel looks awesome. New York's the TWA? home of the fest. Yeah, T- they, they, Transworld Airlines. They built. Have you seen it? They built no. a huge luxury hotel on the site of the old TWA headquarters and branded the TWA hotel. And it looks like a like a '60s retro Jetsons esque uh, hotel oh. lounge and all that. Oh, cool. Well, they better have some jetpacks, man. They promised that. It's 1966. Where's our jetpacks? Yeah, it's about time. 
Remember that joke? It's about time, it's about space, about two men in the strangest place. It's about time, it's about flight, traveling faster than the speed of light. All right, well, let's get into it, man. Yeah. I was trying to figure this out. Why do we love this group so much? Why do we keep coming back to this group? I've been into them since I was uh, a young teenager. I was about 13 when I really got into them. You were even younger. Yeah, I get into them when I was five years old. That would have been 1979, seeing the tour of uh, Beatlemania. That's amazing, man. And that's what did it for me. Now, at the time, as I mentioned on the show, my true love as a five-year-old was Grease, which we my mom took me to see. The stuff you just put it in your hair and you wiped it on the walls and you... you <laughs> <laughs> right? You were kind of a dirty kid. You were like a pig pen, right? Well, I I would take the grease from my hair, wipe it on the walls, and then wipe it off my b- Oh, stand by just a second. It appears we lost audio there. <laughs> what? This isn't even a live broadcast. How we lost the audio, would you believe it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> look at that is a classic 2024 humor right there. <laughs> How about that. Wait do you get me going on immigration. <laughs> so yes, to circle back around the block here. The Broadway cast album of Beatlemania, both on 8-track and record, was eventually replaced Grease is all I wanted to hear. And then understanding that that was not the real recordings is what led me to find Can't Buy Me Love and Lady Madonna on 45, and that led to the Red and Blue albums, and that's when it all took off. But yeah, five, six, seven were like huge years of Beatle growth for me, and it just, it literally never has abated. I've not, friends who've known me all my life, and I've got quite a few of those, luckily, will tell you there's never been a time where I haven't been obsessed with this band and their music and their imprint. Yeah, man. You know, it's funny we have that Beatlemania thing kind of in common, I know way back in one of our very early episodes, we talked about like how we uh, got into the Beatles and, you know, the music, it's always been in the air. I remember enjoying like We Can Work It Out when it came on the radio on road trips and stuff like that. But yeah, then I turned on the TV on some random Sunday in October and it was going to be John Lennon's uh, whatever. What was what would he have been? And he would have been 48 in 1988, a show called Incredible Sunday. John Lennon was one of the most beloved and inspiring figures of our time. Today is his birthday. He would have been 48. Many people were moved by John Lennon's life and music. On the day he died, Denny Dent's life was forever changed. I was at a low in my life, and I prayed a prayer because I didn't feel like there was anything left. Denny's greatest hero had been snatched away, but unlike most who mourned the death, Denny transformed his grief into a new art form and a new career. And that, that painter dude who did the uh, the Jimi Hendrix Live at Monterey painting where he's just like whacking paint at the wall. He did a portrait of John Lennon to A Day in the Life. And I was like, this song is amazing. And I think we went to the video store, like O Video or whatever it was called, uh, the mom and pop video store. Irish people owned it. <laughs> o apostrophe video. It was O apostrophe video. It really was. And it had a shamrock, I think, on the magnet on our fridge. That's these the these are some wild memories. It's so funny because in my mind, it was O-H exclamation point video, like O Calcutta. <laughs> no, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, like O Calcutta. <laughs> no, not inspired by, but like it. <laughs> there were so many video stores <laughs> inspired by O Calcutta. <laughs> My Fair Lady. Remember My Fair Video? Uh, <laughs> What's it to the music? Uh, Everything's Coming Up Video. I remember that one. 
hey, Camelot. <laughs> that was a record. You know, that worked. <laughs> yeah, that one did work. <laughs> no, but you, so I rented Beatlemania, the, the movie yeah. version of the stage show, which is also great. Before any rumors get started about another Beatles reunion, we better point out that what you are watching is an incredible simulation. It's a scene from the live multimedia stage show, Beatlemania. The Broadway smash hit that's caused almost as much excitement as the Beatles themselves. We've been threatening to do an episode about that forever. I, I, maybe this year we finally do, because uh, that had a huge impact on me. When I saw the Beatlemania video for Strawberry Fields, which is this like multicolored psychedelic thing with people like crazy looking hippies in Doug Henning jumpsuits like flying in the air in slow motion let me take you down cause I'm going to strawberry fields and they looked scary and kind of drugged out and I was like I was you know I'm like in 8th grade or whatever it was and I'm just kind of entranced by this and that made me want to like oh Go to the library, get the blue albums from the library so I can hear the actual version of Strawberry Fields. And then, you know, I started spending my allowance money on Beatles, everything Beatles. You know, you and I have, it's such a great story, and you and I have talked about how we've come to the Beatles on an earlier episode. But one thing, I don't know if I mentioned on that episode, Tony, a lot of my Beatles vinyl and 8-track collection at the time in the late 70s and the early to the mid-80s came from a secondhand store of my private K through 12 school that my mom ran and people would donate Beatle records in addition to obviously lots of other records and eight tracks and cassettes. And the guy who ran the store who took in all the donations would always put Beatles stuff aside for my mom to bring home to me. So a lot of the pressings I grew up That's with awesome. weren't bought in a record store. They were like Apple pressings. And in some cases, the orange capital pressings that were given from the thrift store. I then later bought pressings when I learned that like, Ooh, they're back on the rainbow capital. My meet the Beatles is only orange. I want the rate that started very early, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of my collections started because of the foresight of my mom, knowing I was a fan of the Beatles in the late seventies, early eighties to tell the guy who took in the donations, put the Beatles stuff aside for my son. That's really cool, man. Well, thank you all you mysterious strangers who uh, contributed to uh, TJ's Addiction. Yeah, that's what it became. The, the <laughs> store was called Finders Keepers, and my joke was always my mom found it for me and she kept it. <laughs> I remember that store. They called all their customers Losers Weepers. <laughs> that was in parentheses. It was like an old Second City show. <laughs> right, Finders Keepers right. or... or. <laughs> so much improv. Wow, I'm glad we were starting 2024 <laughs> away from the comedy community. Dude, I... I thought he was in a band. I didn't know this was going to be like an improv show. Well, the other cool thing. So, yeah, then I'm getting into them when I'm 13, 14. And it's this band that gave me the confidence to actually become a musician. I remember years ago, maybe in fourth grade, there was the little piece of paper that went out like, oh, band is happening. What do you want to play? And I remember always I wrote down electric guitar. <laughs> which is not in your traditional band. <laughs> so I never joined band, right? Because it's like, oh, no, we don't do that. I'm like, oh. And so, you know, I'm like, well, I don't have, I never had a guitar, but I had this like old broken 
industrial arts project. It was like a duck that you, whatever, it doesn't matter, but it broke and it was made out of dowel rods and the dowel rods broke into two pieces that looked like drumsticks. And so I'm here and I am the walrus and I'm in eighth grade and I'm like, I think I can do that. And, you know, I start banging on my pillows in my bedroom with these dowel rods and then come freshman year in high school, right around Christmas, we found a, a drum kit, an old a 64 Silver Sparkle Slingerland drum kit in the want ads in the back of the Tribune in Elmhurst, Illinois. I still have the snare case. In fact, it's right behind me right now. But it was like 250 bucks for a full kit, cymbals. It had the leather strap bass drum still that like I ruined immediately. <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> I was also then going through a Keith Moon phase. Right. <laughs> but it was Ringo who gave me the confidence to be a drummer. And in fact, probably uh, this band probably gave me the, and punk rock, et cetera, but gave me the confidence to then later in life pick up keyboard and guitar. I play guitar now in a band. And that's amazing to me. I don't think that would have happened without the Beatles. Wow, Tony, that is really special. And I think it'd be more special if we heard Questlove or Dave Grohl tell the same story right now. <laughs> the Beatles really created the blueprint for the rock band. There were four members. Each of them were brilliant musicians and songwriters. And as a kid, that's just how I learned to be a musician. I had a guitar and I had a Beatles songbook. So what is it, TJ? Is it their music? Is it their humor? Is it their trousers? What about their trousers? Well, they were, uh, they were very um, tight. Because <laughs> it could only be one thing when you're talking about the Beatles. <laughs> But like we keep coming back to this group and yeah, yeah, a lot of it's the music, but a lot of it's the the people too in the music. I find their story to be the thing for me, I think. I firmly believe and Tony, you and I have in many ways very similar and many disparate musical interests and the Beatles are where we kind of come together and there's others in our Venn diagram certainly for sure yeah but you know I've spent a lot of my life involved in and knowing the music of you know the great musicals of the 40s 50s 60s etc and so forth when they were kind of the standards that everyone heard that you know what's South Pacific which is held up in West Side Story like great shows that are kind of the musical theater equivalent of what the Beatles are by the way I I rented West Side Story from West Side Video <laughs> and and I bought the squeeze album East Side Story from <laughs> East Side Records <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, my musical world has been shaped by a lot of, you know, obviously a lot of classic rock and current rock and soul and so much stuff, but I consider myself a music snob when it comes to compositions, and what gets me is Beatles songs, even the quote-unquote simple ones, are written so brilliantly, and when you listen to the albums, it's not just, oh, good song, great song. Okay, that's filler. I mean, sure, like, you're obviously not going to put something like Hold Me Tight up with I Am The Walrus. There's some early stuff that's not as good as the later stuff, this, that, and the other. But, Tony, there's no other band in history where just about every song they recorded is A-level. A-level. Yeah, man. And the combination of the appreciation for that music and those lyrics and this, uh, just the incredible sweep of that story. Yeah. 
it's quite emotional and intellectually as well. And I say this when, you know, when all the comparisons have come up for years, Beatles versus Stones, I always think those are bullshit. Certainly my dear friend Brad and I was a diehard Stones fan as well as a Beatles fan, too. We would joke about this in high school and Beatles versus Stones. That's the time to do that, though, right? Yeah. yeah. And Cotton Derogatis wrote a fun book about it. But in reality, it's not fair for either band for myriad reasons, but also think how many great songs the Rolling Stones have, maybe in terms of bands. They're, I don't know, they're the LeBron to the Beatles Jordan, maybe. But at the same time, even the Stones don't come close compositionally to the variety and excellence of nearly every damn Beatles song. It's it's so outrageous that it keeps me interested and I don't see ever not being interested. From Discord, Anthony in Portland says, I love the Beatles because of the simplest reason of all, the songs. Take away all the studio trickery and the weird instruments and what's left from their first album to their last. They wrote the most fun, catchy, beautiful, somber, trippy melodies. Even their worst is still not bad. And similarly, Skyler says, I love the Beatles simply because they have such an approachable catalog to me. None of their music is strictly unconventional. Having grown up with artists who were inspired by the Beatles, they broke boundaries on what a pop song, a rock song, whatever song could sound like. It's really just great music by great people at the end of the day. That's all it is. And that's part of it, too. They're funny and interesting and cheesy without ever being obnoxious. The Beatles never seem to overstay their welcome. Now, Paul's nine minute Hey Jude live in Cincinnati can maybe shave. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? He always goes long in Cincinnati. Paul, what's up? (laughs) Is it that five way chili? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no other chili has a taste that's so divine Together at last it's skyline time I think I said that, Tony, because I believe the version to which I'm referring from Trip in the Live Fantastic that will be one you don't enjoy was recorded <laughs> in Cincinnati for that album. Let's do Hey Jude five ways tonight. <laughs> terrible Paul McCartney I can't I don't do the no, Beatles accent it's great I feel so much pressure to do everyone's like oh you're in comedy you're a Beatle fan do a bit I'm like I don't even know which one I am right <laughs> just say it's cultural appropriation and you'll be fine <laughs> I mean, how dare you I'm not gonna imitate a Liverpoolian yeah <laughs> but yeah so what I was saying about their approachability and to kind of follow up on the discord comment is They're funny and they're likable and they have found a way to always take audiences with them. I mean, I've had people who don't, you know, care about the Beatles either way go, wow, I heard now and then it's really nice. I can imagine I'd love to hear from younger fans than us what now and then meant to them. A new Beatles song coming out at the end of last year. But yeah, the cynicism here that creeps in with the Beatles re-releases, which I acknowledge and understand is, well, they keep issuing the same stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, that's not wrong. That's not a wrong thought. It's not a wrong thought, but it's accomplishing something that all the Elvis reissues and the Doors reissues and all any other band's back catalog hasn't done, which is keep the Beatles in the zeitgeist. They keep popping up as if they've never left. And that's something I don't know that we've seen to this level in pop culture. It doesn't feel 
as manufactured as it does an appreciation of the music. The way Leonard Bernstein was treated when he on the what would have been the anniversary of his 100th birthday, which he didn't live to. But think about the Beatles at 100. There's no other band in rock and pop music that approaches the level of the masters of classical music and soul and jazz. The Beatles compositionally and performance wise outpace everybody. <laughs> Here's the thing, though, with you, man. <laughs> it, you always say it's not a competition, but then at the end, you always make it a competition. You're always like, they're number one. No one is a better band. No one will ever be a better band. You do it in a wonderful way. But how far removed are you from the guy that's yelling about uh, Taylor Swift and stuff? That guy, you know, saying like Taylor Swift's not as good as the Beatles or whatever. <laughs> well, that is subjective, clearly. Yeah. I have no problem with people who say, hey, I think the Beatles are great, but Taylor Swift's better. Or the Beatles are great. I think Beyonce's. But, you know, it's it's there are so many great artists making such great work in real time that you can't take any of that away from them. Where I think the Beatles stand out as the legacy act of legacy acts is nobody else can approach that level of influence. Like I said with the Stones comp, it's okay to be LeBron. It's okay to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The Beatles are Michael Jordan. Certain things in terms of everything they accomplish and continue to, no offense, but the reissue of Hot Rocks isn't going to be in the New York Times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It isn't. But reissue it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? Right. <laughs> well, thank you, TJ, for accepting that slightly challenging exchange with me. I'm all cool with it, Tony. I think the listeners have spoken. I'm Beatles thumbs up, your Beatles thumbs down. And we'll see you next week on <laughs> At The Beatles. And that's it for this week. Next week, we'll look at Maria's Lover, starring Nastasia Kinski, and also Woody Allen's latest film, The Purple Rose of Cairo, starring Mia Farrow and Jeff Daniels from Terms of Endearment. That's next time. And until then, we'll see you at the movies. Now, you wanted to hear from the young kids, uh, young Chasso, Chasso Masso. He loves the Beatles because they revolutionized pop music for the better. Before the Beatles, we were in kind of a musical dark age, 59 to 62. Yeah, like when Elvis went off to the army or whatever, and we had a lot of take good care of my baby and all that. Take good care of my baby. Please don't ever make her blue. Even after the Beatles, they influenced so many popular acts like Nirvana, Oasis, okay, Pink Floyd, the Beach Boys, and Wings. <laughs> and he has five different laughing emojis after that. <laughs> Shall I describe them? <laughs> Rule of fives. <laughs> Rule of fives, Cincinnati Chili. food and the taste that's so divine together. At last, it's skyline Well, let me let me get in on this. To me, uh, yes, it is their music. It is their humor. It is their friendship as people. But uh, to me, I love their story. I love their story. And I think that's what keeps gravitating me back to this group over and over again. Their story, man, never lets us down. Their story gives us hope. It's these four guys 
from an unlikely town born to nobody famous. They didn't inherit this talent. Maybe Paul a little bit, but you know, they didn't really come from the industry. They had no ties, but through hard work and amazing luck, they had so many great breaks at the right time. That is, that is part of their story too. All the close calls, like, you know, after Hamburg, George gets chucked out for being underage. Then Paul and Peter deported for lighting that condom on fire. And when they went back to Britain, they didn't talk to each other for like a month or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. George didn't even know that John had been back, you know, and that could have been the end of the Beatles, but it wasn't. Like sometimes you're reading this book and you're like, things like tune in, you know, Lewison or um, the Davies book or whatever. And you're like, oh shit, the Beatles almost never happened, man. And then Paul was real serious with Dot Roan. And at one time there was talk of an engagement and all this stuff. And Paul was thinking about having a nine to five and giving up the music thing. But that didn't happen, you know. What if Brian Epstein hadn't gone to that disc cutting facility when he was <laughs> shopping the DECA audition tape around? What if he hadn't decided to cut that into a record and then, oh, the guys that were cutting the record ended up liking what they heard and like, hey, there's a song publishing place in the same building. Like mm -hmm. the yeah. breaks that they got and took the opportunities they took. I don't know. It, it gives us hope. It gives us hope as people like, oh, they were able to do it. And, you know, Paul always says that, you know, mm -hmm. like I said earlier, their story just gives us hope that, oh, you can apply perhaps their story to your own life. You know, if you don't have a religion or that kind of a thing, <laughs> this yeah. is close to it. Well, because the story has become mythical in its stature and it's the true mythologized rock and roll story of the band who sweats it out in the clubs and makes it big. The Beatles kind of initiated the origin of the rock story the rock fantasy of wow i can be in a band i want to do this right before that it was i want to be a singer kids weren't dreaming of being in the backup band for you know bobby lee bobby lee guy <laughs> autocorrect i autocorrected myself <laughs> uh -oh, The Beatles, to your point, and this to you was in the 80s, but the Beatles making you want to play instruments. What I love are the stories about, like, you don't think of Springsteen as a Beatle fan, but listen to him talk about seeing them in Ed Sullivan. Yeah. So what did you think when you saw it? You said, like, it changed your life when you saw that. Uh, at seven, I, I don't know how much of a life I had to change, but whatever I had, you know, whatever I had, it struck me right away, and I ran down, I got my mother to run down to the store the next week, and we rented a, a guitar. And uh, I, I took a swing at playing it for about a month, and I, I gave up. My hands were too small, and, and and they didn't really know how to. They didn't know how to teach in those days. They, you know, there was there wasn't anybody teaching you twist and shout or or hound dog. You know, it was it was very methodical. So I got bored rather quickly and put it away till I was 14, when the Beatles stood on this stage, and it happened to me again. So I got struck twice by lightning. Was it just the music, or was it the screaming girls part of it as well too? <laughs> Because that's, no, just, just the music? <laughs> no, no, obviously. Well, at seven, I'm not sure, but at 14, it certainly was, okay, there's these four guys. <laughs> there's all these women. How do I get into that business, you know? <laughs> so what you felt in the 80s, Tony, I think has been felt since the debut in Ed Sullivan. And that's another thing. The Beatles conquered a medium 
as a rock band before anybody else could. The Elvis thing was taboo. It was also some years before, but when Elvis was shaking his hips on Ed Sullivan, that was not greeted with the same rapturous universal love that the Beatles mostly got, right? No, it was, yeah, it's controversial. And that's why they had to film them from like the waist up next time or whatever that yeah. was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Elvis broke down those boundaries on what was acceptable, you know, sexually or whatever, as far as like excitement going on. And the Beatles had plenty of that. I mean, that's what that screaming is, man. That's what that is. Oh, yeah. It's primal. It's all those young girls and French boys. <laughs> ringo, ringo, ringo. ringo. <laughs> The other great thing about their story, man, is that it fits very nicely and concisely into the time frame of a decade, meaning the 60s. Yeah. So when the anniversaries go around, when you get to the end, you can almost just go right back to the beginning again and start the cycle all over. You get to the bottom and go back to the top of the side. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, yeah. like yeah, I mentioned Tune In. I, I read that whenever that was, maybe two years ago. I just finished the Hunter Davies book, which is another fun ride. And now sure. I've just begun the Mal Evans book. And I'm on that ride again, man. Like, I think I'm around 63 with those guys. We haven't gotten to America yet. And I'm excited about, oh, what's Mal's, what was Mal's take on right. the America thing? I, how is the Mal book so far? It's great. I mean, it's that early stuff. So you learn, you know, you're learning about his life and his parents and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm going through all that biographical stuff, but it's cool to see the Beatles creep into that in their way it's fascinating it's great yeah kenneth womack it's good you know it's good it's good shit okay it's also full of all these rich characters you know i don't think anyone's really done it right i think there's like a yellow submarine chess set but it'd be fun to have like a beatles chess set you know <laughs> like those old civil war chess sets <laughs> Oh, yeah, like one with, so the Beatles are the North and Klein and a bunch of other folks are South, Klein, Yoko. Yoko, you asshole. Well, who are, who are the villains throughout history in Beatle world? Well, the Letterman show famously did the Letterman chess set and it was uh, all the characters on David Letterman versus the Third Reich. <laughs> oh, that's great. It was a good bit. And now, thanks to a special offer from the National Historical Society, I'm pleased to announce the creation of the Late Night Chess Set. This dramatic and fascinating tribute to the show features playing pieces that are actual three-dimensional portrait sculptures of your favorite late night heroes. And what better opposition to these beloved television personalities than the Nazi war machine of Hitler's Germany? For real, Tony, I don't want to demean the notion of people liking the Beatles can be your seventh favorite band. You can hate the Beatles. God bless. What I'm suggesting is you can't say that any other story and catalog objectively compares. When Beyonce's all said and done, match up the catalogs. When when Tay Tay's all said and done, match them up. They're in the midpoint, God willing, of their careers. Yeah, right. Exactly. Beatles have been done since 70. In terms of the formal catalog, how come he don't give past <laughs> masters no love? Or for is a bird. Or real loves. <laughs> or now and then. Or that uh, diaper commercial within my life. Is that a diaper commercial? Sorry. That commercial, I was drinking whiskey last night and watched that. Uh, I was watching, so I was watching the Bulls game like a genius. And uh, that commercial came on with the three old women and the um, playing In My Life as a slow piano arrangement, and I got emotional. Oh. 
Oh, it worked. Amazon Amazon made you cry. Good for them. It got me. So I ordered a year's worth of dish soap just to <laughs> you get a 5% discount. <laughs> Let's, let's do a, a few more of, from our listeners. Why, why do they love the Beatles? Bert Chide, dear Mr.'s UBP, teacher says I have to write an essay on why I love the Beatles. This is important because the podcast wouldn't exist without the audience. <laughs> <laughs> or would it? <laughs> <laughs> um, my love for the Beatles started as a bond between myself and my father. As one of the younger second-gen Beatles fans... I was fascinated not just by the eclecticism of the genres explored or arguably innovated by the band, but also of the massive influence on pulp culture, a force that can't be stopped no matter how hard Gen Z tries. Parentheses joke. <laughs> <laughs> did you put it in parentheses or did he? No, Bert did. Bert uh, put that in there. Per- thanks, Bert Tide. <laughs> Thanks to Chicago radio, not a day went by between 95 to 2006 without me hearing at least one Beatles song a day. My fandom died in 2008 when I finally bought a CD of my favorite album, Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul! My first Beatles CD. And upon placing it in the car stereo, my morning commute to class was not, I've just seen a face, but was drive my car. Right, right, I'm telling you. Ironically, he was driving. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And he saw his own face in the rearview mirror going, wah, wah. Thankfully, after a 12-year hiatus, some little podcast put out an episode about Meet the Beatles, and I found myself right back to where I had been with the Fab Four. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you, Bert. In short, the music is what I love, but the community that can easily be created among strangers thanks to this band is a very close second. Yeah, man, that's that's great. They create community. This band's created community. Yeah. Most are under the stairs at Beetlefest at one in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Singing She's a Woman. Yeah, it's a lot with a lot of sniffing sounds. <laughs> Beetle sniffing sounds. Now that's not a cocaine joke. That's a <laughs> Beetle sniffers sniffing each other. She don't lie. Max Como out there in Montreal. Hey, Max. I love the Beatles because they welcome me like friends into their world. Similar, similar thing. They fascinate me just as much as their songs as for their personalities. Listening to them is an absolute joy. And talking about them or listening to enlightened people talk about them. I don't know who he's talking about. Sometimes seems every bit as joyful as the actual experience of listening to them. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to the Beatles and bless us all for loving to dive into them and dream with them and talk about them eight days a week. Yeah, Max. Like they say on the Beatles channel on Sirius XM 24 eight. They do. That's their catchy slogan. Yeah, that's good. Can I give a shout out, a beginning of the year shout out to someone else loves the Beatles? I just want to say Terry Hammert has been under the weather as we're recording this. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. I think it's another bout. It's public. It's on our Facebook page. Another bout with COVID. Terry, while sometimes we wonder why you love the Smithereens covers of songs from Meet the Beatles so much, (laughs) we want to wish you good health and a good start to the new year as Chicago's number one Beatles fan. Please feel better, Terry. We're pulling for you. Get well soon, Terry. We love you. So what's it like to reflect back on earning that position and spending 50 years in it? 
Well, they put a sign up in the window that said women need not apply for radio and, wow. and even television back then. But I was just bound and determined to get in there because I wanted to meet the Beatles. And that was my plan to get to be a disc jockey and interview them. And uh, well, I got halfway there. I got to meet Paul many times in Ringo. And I got to meet a million great listeners and a lot of other rock stars and to work with a terrific group of, of people at XRT for well, they haven't been there 50 years, but I've been seeing them coming through. And <laughs> But anyway, that's cool. And then last but not least, Glenn Kay out there in IOWA says uh, he loves their trousers. The trousers? <laughs> yes, you could see quite clearly. Oh, I see. Everything. Outlines. Clear as day. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes. So, tight trousers and Nothing's noise. left to the imagination. Other than their trousers, I love the Beatles for their innovation, fun, and humor, love for each other, and their general message of peace and love. Other groups had some of these things, but the Beatles had them all, and in insane amounts. They seemed to be superhumans who experienced some time differently. They accomplished more in seven years than others do in lifetimes. Their story is so amazing, it seems divinely manufactured. Four guys from the same crappy city <laughs> randomly got together, and then all this, waves arms around wildly, <laughs> happened. Plus, I like their music. Thanks, Glenn. Thank you. That's a wonderful summation. I could yeah, not man. agree more. It's the combination of story plus quality of music. Yeah, man. For shower. And I, look, I got to be honest, I can say this on this particular podcast, a Beatles podcast that you and I host and people who've listened for a while or maybe even a short time know this. This has been a collecting hobby for me for a very long time. I love the different pressings of things. I'm so interested in why things are pressed a certain way. A lot of that started with my love for the American catalog. And then when right. you when you're young and you go to record stores, like my my museums are record stores. I've said on the show before, I'd go to a record store with my dad at least once a week from like second grade on. I just love going to record stores. And seeing like all of a sudden by the early 90s now there's no american albums anywhere or the case right. of the coconuts on randolph they had a ton of cassettes in like a big paper clearance bin and among those cassettes were like a cutout of the last cassette copy of the american albums meet the beatles with the apple logo second album with the apple logo that if i could turn back time cue share if i could find a way <laughs> If I could turn back time, I would go back. I remember like early college me thinking I got to buy all these. I got to buy all these. And of course, I, <laughs> the only one I bought at the time was real music with an Apple logo, because even in 93, I thought it was so <laughs> fucking cool to see 82's <laughs> real music with an Apple logo on the spine of the cassette. <laughs> it's like it, it validated the album. It's like, oh, Apple authorized this. There's an Apple label on it. But yeah, it also satisfies. Like, I didn't collect baseball cards. I didn't. I mean, there's a lot of other quote unquote normal kid stuff I did, but the most abnormal thing I did, I was bringing Japanese imports to show and tell in second and third grade <laughs> and tack, tacking them up on the board. I could, I, I've got a couple Japanese EPs, 70s pressings, like the Hard Days Night EP that have thumbtack holes in them because I put them on the. <laughs> I melted an Apple 45 of Instant Karma in the summer of 83 because I brought it to uh, summer camp. Uh. <laughs> and I left in the sun and it melted and I was I was so sad. 
<laughs> Fortunately, I bought several other copies in the ensuing years. Oh, so you were ready for the summer. <laughs> Are you ready for the summer? Well, TJ, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy Fab New Year to you. Happy Fab and Gear New Year to you, Tony, to all fans (laughs) of the show. We really, really appreciate everyone listening. Uh, This, as it's always been, is a labor of love for me and for Tony and for producer Casey, who is so unsung and who does so much for this program. So we we haven't heard his voice in a while. And some of that's because of the dust up with Tony and Casey that we shouldn't really talk about on air. But it ain't good. It ain't good. Yeah, well, he started it. This is just a placeholder. Casey's wrapping up the edit too late at night and his partner is sleeping, so he can't do bits right now. Still better off than Tony, who can't do bits generally, because he's terribly unfunny, and TJ, who can't do bits for the next month because he's been suspended from the show for violating company policy and bringing up sensitive internal dynamics on air. Toddlers, all of you. Casey Baker produces the show. <laughs> More of this, he said, he said on the next Untitled Beatles podcast, we will also address the passing of Denny Lane. That and more next. That's next time, and until then, we'll see you at the movies. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. I think that's kind of a funny out. If you almost like you can play the sad NFL mute, like when someone gets hurt or like an in memoriam type thing is kind of then boing it. I don't know. I trust you, but it... I think Casey's taking this one. So okay, there's, well, there's your notes. Heard the request, Casey. No, do whatever you want. I was just thinking it's we don't usually end with and then something sad. Next. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, and that's gonna be the new thing in 2024. Everything ends sad, <laughs> <Right>? and fortunately <laughs> begins similarly. 